Hello once again everyone, thanks for tuning in to another edition of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give of course a thank you to our sponsors that help us bring the show to you for free each and every week on whichever platform you choose to listen. Thanks to Angelo's Pizza, we miss them since we haven't had any live events as of late as you know, but they are still doing delivery and carry out, so make sure you check out Angelo's Pizza on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. Thanks, of course, to Pollyanna DIY. They make some incredible customized merchandise, enamel pins, as well as uh, awesome t-shirts and a variety of different things. So check out Pollyanna DIY and give them your support. And, of course, thanks to Smartmark Video and their merger with IWTV. Sign up at independentwrestling.tv to get a five-day free trial and watch all sorts of shows from the AIW archive. And, of course, smartmarkvideo.com has AIW shows on DVD and MP4 uh, downloads for you as well. And I believe, as we get into this, uh, John Thorne, there is a new show coming out this week on IWTV, right? Uh, I would I would think it, that uh, Baby It's Too Cold Outside would probably be uh, hitting the VOD section this week since on Smartmark. Oh, on Smartmark? No. Well, on, uh, I, well, I was talking about TV. Oh yeah, yeah. But isn't uh, I think I saw them say that uh, AIW Two Hundred is hitting IWTV this week. Oh, I did not. I didn't see that honestly. Like uh, I thought you were going to Baby It's Too Cold Outside because usually after they do the uh, premiere oh, yeah. stream. It will uh, wind up in the VOD section. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Honestly, I'm not sure. They don't. Um, they don't really. They don't really keep <laughs> me. Uh, keep me in the loop on that. Okay, I saw it during some uh, chatter last night. People were talking about the Lee Moriarty and um, Alex Shelley match and asking about if they would see the one from uh, 200. So uh, that and then uh, I do, and then the independent wrestling. TV account tweeted that uh, that should be coming out this week. I think they said. Oh, okay. So there I you didn't go. See that? I missed that. <laughs> news to you. Well, breaking news. As we get into this week, uh, obviously we're we're joined by AIW owner John Thorne, and we are also joined by the president of AIW Matt Wadsworth. And hello, how's it going? There he is. And my name is Steve Guy, your moderator of sorts. This is a quarantine cast, I guess, is what we're calling in. Yeah, we're still uh, we're we're still social distancing. Uh, we're all in our respective homes right now. So I don't we're think the a- uh, the title of this podcast has ever been more appropriate than lately. The cards certainly have changed. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the card of life has changed. Yeah, <laughs> there have been no cards when it comes to wrestling. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy, but you know, uh, I guess you know, I'll just continue to show uh, how naive I was that I thought that uh, this would have all blown over before Gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, and now you're uh, you're back to work this week, John. Uh, yeah, as of uh, you know, unless things change uh, between this recording and uh, the morning, uh, while you are all listening to this, I am probably uh, heading or currently at work again. So. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah, vacation's over, pal. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You know, there's just they're trying out some staff rotation at my job uh, instead of just closing it down. I guess they can't close it down, so uh, we will we'll see how it goes. Wadsworth, what have you been up to? Um, well, I don't talk much about my my shoot job, but it's a uh, it's essential. 
I do. I work in a uh, one of the major hospitals here in Cleveland. So ah, yes. Uh, so you've been at I've work been, uh, every I've day. I've been at work every day. <laughs> the, uh, I have to drive through downtown is a lot easier than. Yeah, I've not worked in two weeks, so I'm like, like actually, like you know, this weekend. I like was trying to train my body to like uh, fall asleep because I've been like staying up to like three or four o'clock in the morning uh, for the last two weeks. So I like started taking some melatonin, uh, try like trying to fall asleep at a reasonable hour because I know I'm gonna have to wake up for work. So you're like a, a teenage kid when your parents leave you at home for the first time for a whole week. Oh, I, I've been acting like I've been on summer break in the eighth grade, you know, <laughs> like I'm just like staying up all night, like then waking up at like noon or one o'clock, uh, just eating Doritos, you know, just Wadsworth, getting nothing, nothing accomplished. Wadsworth, can you, uh, since you, your shoot job is like hospital affiliated, can you kind of paint a picture for people of what that looks like right now when you're going into hospitals? I, um, I mean, in my case, I'm not patient facing, so right. I, uh, I'm down in a sub basement, well isolated, but to come into the hospital is definitely a process. Uh, even those of us that are employees, most of the entrances to the hospital are locked. They, they narrowed it to a list of like six or seven main entrances. Whereas a lot of us would kind of use side entrances in the mornings and that you're not allowed to do that. You have to come through the main entrances, and they've got uh, basically a queuing line where they've got employees set up taking temperatures, asking about symptoms uh, before you're even allowed to enter the hospital itself. Yeah, so I got a I got a text message from somebody that I work with, and they said that like uh, from what they've heard, because they've also been off work and uh, they go back on Monday, and they said from what they've heard, like there's a full like screening process before you're even allowed to enter the building and it's like, well, you know, since we're on the staff rotation, what happens if somebody gets denied at the door, you know, like then what happens? They got to call somebody else in or something. I don't know. Like, but I guess there's like this whole screening process. I'm going to have to go through every single day this week with like temperatures and questions and all kinds of stuff. That's, that's wild. That's, that's where we are right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'll find out, you know, in the morning, but, uh, that's what I've been told. And, you know, I, I tried to get into my work email, but I'm not like on the server or whatever. So I couldn't see if there's been like anything, any new things that have been sent out in the last two weeks. You know, I talked to my supervisor a week ago, but you know, she's also on a staff rotation, so she's probably not been there either. So, I mean, I don't know, I'm kind of in the dark on everything. I don't, I feel, I, part of me feels bad that Wandsworth is the only one that's had to like daily go to work on a regular routine. I mean, it, and, and just it probably here. sucks because like, <laughs> we're too chilling. I mean, I just been being a total bum for two weeks and it, it's great. Like, you know, I could, I could do this for two months, just sit in my house and watch TV. <laughs> the thing that's just drives you crazy is, is there's just like, nothing productive to do it's like i'm not going to my real job i have no wrestling work to do whatsoever uh i finally started going through like all the boxes from when chandler passed away and like so much of his stuff was like just sh kind of shipped over to my house it's been sitting in the spare room for three years uh i started going through some of that this week like 
this past two weeks, but I mean, other than that, I have not accomplished too much. Man, that's, that's it's crazy that it was already three years ago. I remember that day. It was, uh, it was you, me, uh, the weird world. And that Dom, we all went to his house and Dom. Yeah. yeah, we were going to his mother's house, and we made a couple trips. I think right. Yeah, like because two trips lo- or something. A lot of the stuff went to the storage unit as well, and it's like I got initially I was going to try to store it all here, and then there was just so much stuff. It was like okay, like there's only so many boxes I can fit in my house, uh, so a lot of that stuff is you know still in the storage unit, which I've been talking with people about. Maybe we go through all that, but uh, yeah, I mean I got a lot accomplished on it. You know, it's a lot of just like every single wrestling book that was ever fucking created. You know, like everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. He was like really interested in fucking Bobby Blaze's book or something, I guess. Uh, he has every single person that ever wrote a book that was involved in wrestling. Like there's, that's the only thing I really have left is I have like four or five boxes of just wrestling books. Uh, and, uh, there was a lot of action figures, which, you know, were all dusty eyes cleaning those all weekend and, uh, trying to like get those ready to, you know, go to the merchandise table at AIW whenever that can happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Just, you know, going through and sorting through this stuff and deciding like, what is garbage? What isn't garbage? You know, it's just like, uh, you know, like personal photos he had of people. Like I, I have no use for that. I don't know who these people are, you know, unfortunately. Uh, so when this is all over, uh, you're going to maybe create the AIW wrestling book library and make some library cards for people <laughs> to check yeah, out the different, they can return it, check in, check out two it's weeks. The, oh, it's, it's funny you said that because I did find a use for like, there's these, like, I don't even know how he had all this shit, honestly, but, uh, there are these boxes of these like burned DVDs of like just random territories. And there's probably, I shit you not over a thousand of them. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just like, World Class TV, 1984, episode, whatever. Like, somebody gave them to him, and, like, he just had them. Uh, But I'm just going to, like, you can't resell this stuff. It's just, like, you know, kind of, like, it has a purpose, but, like, nobody would pay for it. So I think whenever the school gets going, I'm going to uh, take these boxes there, and I will uh, make everybody rent a video uh, to take home and study once a week until we get through all these boxes. And uh, the kids can hopefully learn something from some of them. Well, it's going to yeah. be like homework, though. Like, hey, you, you have to take this AWA television home from 1987, one episode, and you have to learn something from it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I expect yeah. a uh, one-page report. I want, a rep- I want a report, and I want to read it. I want you to tell me about it because I ain't reading it. I don't need more clutter in, in my house. <laughs> give us ideas and try to figure out who's still alive that we can book in the future. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny you say that. That's a great way to lead in. So uh, prior to recording, uh, we put out there to ask us questions uh, for this, and we're going to talk about it. And one of the questions was actually of people who have passed away, who is on there where if you could have now like maybe they died too soon, you know. It's not that they lived till they were, not like Harley Race who lived a, a long life, but uh, somebody who was gone early. John, who do you think you would want to book right now? Like, man, that would be a perfect guy. 
for today's AIW? I mean, there's probably a million uh, that, you know, I, I don't know what that statistic is, but like so many wrestlers died before the age of like 34 or 40. It's crazy. Um, probably a weird one would be the big boss man. I think that's like always a good go-to guy. The big boss man, I think would probably be pretty interesting yeah. uh, on a modern independent wrestling show. And I think um, he'd do, he'd, he'd fit right in with some of the meet and greets we've done. Yeah. I mean, cause that's what you also got to think about like meet and greet, like, um, just, uh, uh, overall just like notoriety and, uh, a, probably a weird one, uh, would be crush. I think uh, Kona Crush would just be killing the fucking convention and meet and greet scene these days. He's like a guy, I feel like he, he probably would have kind of stayed in shape and you could maybe get something out of. Like, like if he would have dwindled off, you could see him coming back, like, I guess Glacier, for a lack of better uh, example. He had obviously more of a career than Glacier, but he's like that guy where... He pops up, and now everybody would probably want him, I think. Well, not if he asked Glacier, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think he's just an interesting one, you know? Like, I've been watching, like, a lot of weird, like, 1997 Raws, like, randomly uh, during my quarantine for the last two weeks. Uh, and just, like, there's just so many guys, you know what I mean, that were... I don't, that would probably do so well these days and it's crazy if you look at like uh how many of those guys from that era are just gone that bam bam bigelow is another one that would probably that do was the name i was well. up. that was the first one on my mind was bam bam well and i think too uh we, we talk about like akron meet and greets where we try to get those going today as we record this is the 62nd birthday of mr perfect Oh, I mean, that is, you know, that would be uh, no question if he was still alive. Uh, Tom Dunn actually booked Mr. Perfect, which is pretty crazy in the one show that he promoted, yeah. uh, which is which is wild, you know, like right before he died. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, and then you have these like dark side of the rings coming out, you know what I mean? And you have your Eddie Guerreros who would probably not be free agents, but who knows, you know? Yeah. I'm sure a guy like Eddie would be, if he wasn't still active, would be an agent or would be, you know, he'd right. be working or working down in the PC. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, if you if you were to... Go I was going to say, uh, a one that for some reason sticks out to me would be like a fun j name would be like a Chris Canyon. Yeah, Canyon, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think he was if, one uh, of those guys that wasn't big enough to be... You know, just a meet and greet on his own, but a, a jaylet weekend guy because he strikes me as the type of guy who'd still be able to go as Mortis, though only as Mortis. <laughs> or I mean, that's right up our alley. He's one of those guys you'd book. You know, the first <laughs> day is as Mortis, and then he Mortis the Jersey Triad the second day. Or yeah, you know. Mortis was uh, Mortis was the best in WCW NWO Revenge. He was great. For if, N64. if you had, if you had booked the Big Boss Man. Who do you let him hit with his nightstick? Anybody who fucking cares is the big boss yeah. man. I mean, Anybody. I didn't. I didn't know if you would have gotten more of a rise out of Doctor Dan getting his ass beat or Duke getting his ass beat with the nightstick. I mean, those are the two easy go-to guys. But I mean, it could be anyone. <laughs> it could honestly be anyone. I think. Uh, I think Duke would appreciate it more because that's yeah. You know, that's that's his early earlier days in wrestling, where boss man's hated. 
Yeah, I think he would be all about like, it. Yeah, right? I mean, but if bo- if Boss Man's working, you put him in there with Mance Warner. Oh yeah, that's the yeah, hell yeah. Um, I'm gonna get this one out of the way because it was one of the first ones posed from Mike versus Philly. John Thorne, what is your all-time Cleveland Indians roster team? Oh <laughs> What's your God. lineup? <laughs> Baseball Jeez. sports fan John's all-time Indians lineup. He said. Oh, you gotta give me. You gotta give me like a position. You know, like a base. Okay. Uh, who who's pitching? Oh, Dennis Martinez. Oh, El Presidente. All right. Or Charles uh, Nagy. Okay, those are two good ones. We'll go. We'll go around the horn. First base. Uh, who's the who's the guy now? Uh, oh, Santana. What's his name? Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana. Yeah, because I met him at a pumpkin patch yeah. once. When I was getting a pumpkin uh, for Halloween, he was there. He took a picture with me. All right, second base. Uh, Roberto Alomar. Good choice, good choice. I, w- uh, I would have stop. taken you for a uh, Bayerga guy for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, fuck that. Yeah, Carlos <laughs> Bayerga. <Yeah. laughs> All right, uh, shortstop. Uh, Francisco Lindor. Okay, this shortstop's a tough one to me because you either go Frankie right now or you go Omar. I wasn't really a big Omar Vesquel guy. Okay, all right. Third Could base. Oh, man. I'm trying to think here. I guess uh, I'm going to go Jeff Bagwell. Jeff Bagwell didn't play for the Indians? Yes, he did. No, he didn't. I swear he did. Jeff Kent. No, who was the guy? They they got some guy from for third base in like the late nineties. Oh, are you thinking, sp- you're you're thinking of either Matt Williams or Travis Fry? Matt Williams. That's what I was thinking of. I thought it was Jeff Bagwell. No, no, he's all longtime Houston Astro. I'm going uh, Matt Williams or uh, Jose Ramirez. Okay, all right. Uh, what's your outfield? I'll give you any of them. Doesn't matter. They don't have to specifically play center field, right field, or left field. I just need three outfielders. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Manny Ramirez. Excellent. Kenny Lofton. Sure. Michael Brantley. And All Albert right. Bell plays DH. That's that's good. And now that's who's catching not for you? bad strategy. No, that was good. That was good. Who's your Sandy catcher? Alomar. Sandy, Sandy Alomar. Alomar. Perfect. That's a good lineup right there, John Thorne. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Hall, of Famer, Jim Philly. Hall of Famer no. Jim Tomey not on there, but that's okay. Not a Jim Tomey guy. I never met him at a pumpkin patch. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. You got to meet him at the pumpkin patch. Uh, all right, so let's get into more of these uh, questions. And if somebody wants to know, let's get this out of the way. When will JLIT announcements start? Uh, when there is not a fucking epidemic, pandemic going on in the world. I mean, I don't even know if JLIT's going to happen at this point. So that's, we don't know kind of professional wrestling is allowed to happen again. Yeah, I mean, like, it, are there people booked? Yeah, but I'm not going to make any announcements because it could still get canceled. You know, like, we still technically have a show at the end of April, but that's probably going to get canceled. Like, you know, you have to assume. Yeah. Um, you know, Mexico shut their borders down, I'm pretty sure. So I don't think Psycho Clown's coming on that day uh, anymore. So, Oh, that's right. That um, was for April. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, I can't make I can't make any like it, 
just because it's in June does not mean it's going to happen at this point. I mean, nobody knows when the world is going to reopen uh, or the world it can reopen, but it can't reopen for events. We, we don't. I mean, I can't make I, I'm not working on that stuff at all because, you know, it's like. I had a lot of people booked for it with a few kind of up in the air spots still open, but I'm not going to try to fill them until I know like, Hey, uh, this weekend can for sure happen because I don't think anybody knows when professional wrestling is going to be allowed to happen again. If it's going to be allowed to happen again. I mean, who knows what, how the world is going to change after this is all over with. Yeah, I figured you'd answer something like that. Uh, here's an interesting one. I like this question. Was the influx of wrestlers from Ontario in 2014-15 a direct result of Ethan Page being on the shows? And is there anyone from Ontario you're hoping to get onto AIW shows in the future? I mean, absolutely. It was because of Ethan Page being on the shows. Uh, he needed people to drive him or people to come like along for the trip uh, or um, him and Josh Alexander and Celestia Sparks would be booked, but then they'd have, you know, a Tyler Thomas in the car or somebody else and, or like a Brent bank. So, you know, there would be some kind of spot that would open up, you know, this is like before AIW had a school and a ton of talent, just like hanging around. Um, you know, there's, there's nobody that I have my eye on because uh what we've learned from the Ethan Page, Silesia Sparks, Josh Alexander experiment is it's hard to rely on the international talents on a regular basis because they do not have work visas. Now, Josh Alexander and Ethan Page do because they're contracted to Impact Wrestling. But, you know, anybody that's familiar with the situation saw Silesia Sparks get banned from entering America for five years. Uh, and that is a very real possibility for any talent that travels in from Canada unless they are contracted somewhere. And we cannot offer a full-time wrestling contract to anybody. The, the, the um, American government will not uh, like allow that to happen, to come uh, work once a month. Uh, it's just not something that they would approve a visa for. So uh, to be honest, I try to avoid... Canadian talent, unfortunately, because uh, it just can create a lot of problems and, you know, you can't really make any sort of long-term planning around the Canadian talent based on the travel restrictions. And, you know, as I've stated about, we don't know if or when Jayla can happen. Who knows how strict the borders are going to be going forward in a post-COVID-19 world? Yeah, one person they asked about was uh, Holden Albright, who did the New Talent Initiative, and then he had that match with um, Jackson Stone, the Shogun. And um, to your point, like you just said there, and that's what I was going to go with, you know, that's a guy that we liked, but who knows how this is going to play out now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what we can like somebody from Canada all we want. We've been burned multiple times with long-term storytelling being disrupted. Right. Day I mean, of the it, show. It's not even like you have an advance notice. Right, because it's, you know, it, it, it all depends on the border region. At the, you know, it's not like you're going to get two weeks notice that they're not going to be allowed to cross the border that day. I mean, it's all, it's all um, 
based on the border agent. I mean, Sleazia Sparks had lawyers uh, involved in her case and, uh, you know, she went to the consulate and spoke to people and had, you know, a, a full kind of legal uh, investigation, so to speak. And uh, the policy is, is unless that particular border agent that stamped the stamped her passport and decided she couldn't enter America for five years, unless they changed their mind, it's it's at the that very particular border uh, agent's discretion. So you never know, you know, like. A guy can, a guy or girl can get over ten times, no problem, and then they just encounter one border agent that wants to, you know, give them a bad day, and you know that's how it all goes down. All right, here's one as we talk about uh, the world post coronavirus. Is a question that gets post posed often when we do these, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, from Facebook, post corona, when will we see each of the headhunters get their singles run? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, Headhunter 2, uh, Victor, I believe, uh, he's always uh, messaging me maybe once a, once or twice a year trying to come back. Uh, but, you know, I want the I want the package deal. And, uh, you know, I believe Headhunter 1 is, is uh, since retired, uh, allegedly. So, I mean... <laughs> You never know. I, w- I want the total package in the headhunters, though. But also, you know, like just what a mess to deal with it was. I mean, it, w- it made for great year years worth of stories, a very memorable weekend. But you know, uh, I mean, I don't know if I want to put myself through that again. <laughs> Listen, it all turned out well in the end, but yeah, and it gave some great podcast material for some of those early episodes, but that was a, a headache to deal with for sure <laughs> yeah i mean so I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one uh this next one i don't know if you're gonna completely give it away because we may do the show but in cleveland uh who was eric stevens going to wrestle at the tampa show uh you know to be honest the the card wasn't totally 100% finalized. Um, there were a few different options uh, that were on the table, and it was just kind of like um, what is going to fall into place. Uh, we were really trying to get Joey Janella on the show um, to get clearance, but uh, AEW really only was going to clear him to do spring the spring break show. Um, so there was a, a lot of different kind of pieces that can be moved around the, uh, the leading candidates, uh, for the Eric Stevens match were either Lee Moriarty or filthy Tom Lawler, uh, depending on, you know, which, what kind of, I guess, uh, other talents fell into place for the show for the weekend, you know, like those three were kind of, all in flux depending on who we were able to lock down as that fourth talent. We wanted one more kind of outside attraction that, uh, you know, we never got a chance to finalize anything because, um, you know, we were still over a month out basically when all this stuff really kicked into gear. Um. Oh, here's a good one, especially having our historian on from uh, 
a man better known as the Masked Fish. It seems like the middle years aren't talked about as much. What are some great shows from the Turner's era that we may have missed and why? Uh, I'll probably defer this one to Mr. Wadsworth. <laughs> um, I, there were, you know, I think the, uh, the, the rap show legacy, if you will, was kind of cemented in the Turner's era. It's one of well, the that's biggest what I, You know, that's, I, that's what was popping into my head is that that's where the rap show was born was in the Turner's hall era. The straight out of Compton show was the first one. I think that's probably the best thing that came out of those years. Um, what else, what else were you thinking? There was, uh, there was the hell on earth with, uh, the Nixon versus team AIW where, uh, we, Eric we cleared Ryan. all the yep. chairs out and Eric Ryan almost bled out. <laughs> um, there was also, um, uh, all the Kevin Steen matches happened in the Turner's hall era. Yeah. I yeah. believe. Um, uh, and even before the Turner's Hall era, the St. Gregory's era, there was a lot of okay stuff during that, as well as the West Park Party Center era. And uh, there was also that weird building that we did a couple shows at, the Puritist Church. I mean, uh, like, it's 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 hard to really single out a show. Um, you know, the all like the, uh, I guess the marquee events the absolutions the hell on earths uh the jaylets uh jaylet was born in that era as well um, yeah and that's actually where we saw uh really coming to life especially with the after party sequence when buff bagwell was there yeah i mean there's uh there's a lot of that stuff um you know and there's also a lot of kind of uh, you know, the girls night out was born in uh, the West Park Party Center era, which, you know, was like year three or four. I, I can't recall. Um, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. You know, those are kind of like you don't hear about it a lot because it's kind of like the growing pains era of AIW. It's, um, you know, the first two years you hear about more because it was kind of, um, I guess, like the the birth or whatever. And there, it's surrounded by some controversy in year two. Um, and then, you know, things kind of go into this long term growing of trial and error and ebbs and flows. And there's a lot of bad memories in those eras, you know, because, you know, that's when we were just st super struggling to get by and uh, find a a place in the, the wrestling world. Um, but I, I think if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have the kind of infrastructure and kind of smooth running machine that we have now um yeah i mean i don't know there, there's probably some good shows that happened you know some really good matches johnny gargano versus akira tozawa happened at the saint gregory's building um you know well uh, and that's what i was gonna say you nailed it with the growing pains is and the fact that you you kind of said there's some good matches I think that era is almost a little bit forgotten because it's this weird, it's almost like puberty, essentially, where you have this weird growing phase of, um, we're transitioning from the earlier stuff that was just very renegade, very just craziness atmosphere to the era we're in now where it's just match after match is, is delivering. So you had a few matches here and there on these shows that were just incredible, but you had some forgettable stuff on some of those cards too. Well, and there's I, a lot of I, forgettable stuff. 
you know so it's it is that weird middle phase is the perfect way to describe it not just in terms of time but it is that transition from where i think we kind of became a, a legitimate standout independent promotion and i think um what is was so difficult is you know we don't have a wrestling school in this time we have to fill a card out we have to we have gigantic budgetary restraints because you know there's a big part of that time period where you know i was like you know in the 2008 recession hit i lost my job i had no job i was collecting like a hundred dollars a week from unemployment and that was it um we also have a second split with a you know one of the founding partners in AIW, so um, it, that's when it becomes me and Biggins, and we really have to kind of uh, figure out how to get the most out of nothing, uh, especially in that um, you know post West Park Party Center era, you know St. Greg's, Puritas Church, Turner's Hall, uh, those were a lot of well, hey, you know, like we need to fill these cards out and there's some, I, I guess, okay, passable talent around that we were trying to mold into bigger things. And, you know, you just don't hit the lottery every single time, you know, for every Johnny Gargano, there was a Ben Fruth or a combat kid or, you know, like Mr. RBI, Mr. RBI, all these guys that they fit the time but they also had didn't have the evolution within themselves to grow into you know big time performers um you know we were lucky enough you know you, you hit it with we hit it with a johnny gargano and uh a shima zion and you know some of these other guys but there was a lot of guys that you know didn't uh didn't really blossom i guess so to speak from that era but you know also in that era you know that's when colin delaney starts coming around and uh, you know all these other kind of long-term guys and you know lewis linden and flip kendrick were very uh you know integral in in those growing eras and uh you know th that's why you know some people say you know what is my loyalty to lewis linden i mean he was one of the shining stars in this forgotten era um, that would at least bring up the quality of the show every now and then. Uh, Follow-up there. Is Charge It to the Underhills the first show at Mount Carmel? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Wads yeah that should be. That was, uh, I believe that was Hero Kingston was on that one, and that was the transition after we lost... Because um, Hell on Earth in that November would have been the final Turner show. Hell on Earth 10, yeah, is the final Turner's Hall show, um, which was just what a mess that was. I mean, uh, you know, we, we arrived there and the, the heat has not been paid and the water has not been paid and the venue people <laughs> didn't even show up. The only reason why we even got in is because we had our school there at the time and we had a key. You know, like other than that, like, I don't even know if they know that that show even happened. They never showed up to uh, collect their rent for the day. Uh, you know, it, anything. It's it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to, to be perfectly honest that that's kind of how how it all went down. But um, 
Yeah, I think that that is the first show at Mount Carmel was Charged to the Underhills, and we were really forced to find a venue with little time. I believe the date was booked already for Turner's Hall, and uh, Chris Hero was booked. And um, I'm trying to like I'm trying to find a a lineup right now for it, but um, yeah, so. We went. We go from Black Friday to December twenty sixth, twenty fourteen. Is the first show at Mount Carmel. Um, Kurt Hawkins was booked on that. Uh, Tessa Blanchard was on that show. Heidi Lovelace, Veda Scott, uh, Jasmine, who is now Aaliyah Cabana. I mean the Beaver Boys. Chris Sabin was booked on it. Candice LeRae, uh, Donst, Tommy Mercer, Hero Kingston. Uha Nation is on that show. DJ Z, Matt Cross, Gargano, Prohibition. I mean, we had a stacked lineup booked for the show uh, already. Um, so we were forced to kind of find this venue under, you know, it's less than a month's time. We had to find a venue for it. Um, and uh, Biggins and I did this thing where we would just look up old wrestling results and try to find venues that allowed wrestling in the past and we would try to repair those relationships and that's how we you know that's how we found turner's hall that's how we got back into turner's hall and we kind of applied the same concept to mount carmel which they were very hesitant um at first and then they finally kind of allowed us to uh do the show there and it was like a trial basis it was like a one-time thing uh you guys can do this date here and then you know we'll figure it out. We'll see how it goes, so to speak. So, uh, I believe, you know, like we try to tell the crowd, like no swearing and all this other stuff because they were there watching it. And then, uh, I think, you know, after they got their money, they just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Then I do remember that was a thing for, uh, uh, an extended period of time. Pedro used to tell people, please no swearing or cursing. And then slowly that definitely fell off. Yeah. Because, uh, so I'm I'm just kind of looking at the dates now, and we go from December 26, 2014, and then the next show is until February 20th, 2015. Um, so I, I know that that has a lot, even though we try to take January off all the time, I know that that has a lot to do with the fact that they would not take more than one date at that time. Well, and I, I so, do remember at the time there was that, you know, we we were like, listen, we need something for December because we knew what we had. We knew the card we had. We knew the talent we had booked. We were like, we have to find something for December. And then we've got some breathing room to, you know, so when we went into Mount Carmel, it was very much a a one-time thing with the possibility in the future, but we weren't looking at it as our long-term home when we went there in December. Right. I mean, we had no idea if they would, you know, like, that's the thing. We talk about it all the time, but um, so many kind of the sins of former promoters uh, have burned so many good buildings that are around town, you know, and like for every, you know, Cleveland All Pro that you hear about, there's, you know, 10 others that did one show and destroyed a place and uh, will never allow wrestling ever again. You know, there's a building right by where Wadsworth and I live. We both saw wrestling there in 1999. Uh, they still 21 years later or or whatever it is will not allow wrestling because somebody broke something in there once. Uh, This is kind of a a good 
a segue because you're talking about how stacked that lineup was in December of 2014. And a question that we got in the Discord is about whether or not is there a show in the past years that doesn't get the mention that maybe it should and it actually ended up being really good and people should probably go out of their way to kind of check it out um i'll probably defer this one to wadsworth again the the only one that is like sticking out in my head is i think it's gauntlets nine or eleven i don't know uh, maybe Gauntlet 11 uh, that had Zack Sabre Jr. and Pentagon on it. Pentagon versus Ray Rowe. Um, that, was there, a, yeah, that, was a, that was one that, uh, that definitely never got the love that it deserved. Um, and one, I'm trying to find it, that, uh, that I wasn't even at. That if you look at the talent that was on it... Uh, is insane. It was one of our, our September ones, and it was, um, what was it? Uh, Ray Rowe and uh, Alistair Black. That was uh, AIW Against the World. Yeah, that's, that's a very, very good... I think that's in August of 2015, maybe? Yes, and August that's, 2016. That's got- that's got uh is that Kingston and Shigeru Irie or is it uh hot yeah. sauce? Um that was Kingston cuz uh That one's Kingston. Okay. Jimmy Wayne Yang is on that one. Um Yeah, Jimmy Wayne Yang is up being a fill-in, right? Yeah, I and I can't even remember what the original plan was there. But he's definitely he was definitely a fill-in. Uh Elgin is on it. Um that was uh, one of the last appearances of, of Sarah Logan, of Crazy Mary Dobson. Uh, yes. Triton is on it. I think that Triton, a, Triton uh, from Seattle. Laredo Kid is on it. Nate Webb is on it. The infamous Teddy Hart match is on there. Um, was that Crazy Mary versus Britt Baker? Yes. That was that was her very last match. Yeah, yeah so that, was, that was kind of her going away. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... You know, there's a ton. Um, you know, some of those some of those music link shows are a lot better than uh, the world really gives them credit for. Uh, you know, Flamita wrestled at one of the the uh, Tequila Jack slash music link shows. Um, you know, there's some yeah. EC3 stuff out there. The uh, the J Lit of 2016 that had uh, Big Demo in it, and Cedric Alexander, and I believe Billy Gunn and Kurt Hawkins. Um, yeah, let's see here. Um, we have, uh, that was Josh the first Prohibition. time we had Dan Severn. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, what's in the basement? Klopek prohibition versus Sonjay Dutt, uh, DJZ versus Flamita, Laredo kid versus Gringo Loco versus Skyda Jr. versus Bandolero, Shayna Baszler versus Veda Scott. Um, yeah, there's like, you know, there's all sorts of kind of hidden gems if you, but you really gotta, you really gotta look and it's, uh, it's really hard for me to remember, you know, because it, it, it's just like it kind of purges from my brain after it's happened. I, you know what I forgot that I just found because I was looking. Obviously, we remember uh, Big Trouble in Little Cleveland for Terry Funk and him tossing the Duke around the building. But something I don't think we talk about a lot is the, the brief AIW run of Red, of Amazing Red. Yeah, Amazing yeah. Red did a couple really good ones uh, right before he got injured. And that was kind of the last I heard from him. Um, Walk the plank with uh, 
Um, Paul Burchill and Lewis Linden is an extraordinarily good match. I mean, I thought Paul Burchill was going to just go off on a run after that match. He didn't miss a step. I was going to say, is that one of those matches where, because this was a question that we got to, is that one where you booked it and you kind of had some expectations, but it super exceeded them? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was booked just as a, you know, a fucking kind of fuck you to Matt Riddle. You know, it was like a joke, like, you're so mad that you lost to this guy that you think is a pirate, so we'll just do a whole pirate theme show. Uh, really had no expectations for the match, honestly. I mean, Lewis Linden's extremely talented. I had no idea where Paul Burchill would be at, uh, you know, skill-wise at that point, having not wrestled in several years. Um, I think uh, another show kind of that stands out is Welcome to the Party Pal with Masato Tanaka and Nick Gage. Um, that's another very good show. Uh, Escape from Cleveland is a very good show with Ultimo Dragon, Lewis Linden. I mean, there's a ton, you know, you, but yeah. you really have to kind of go through and look at the lineups. Um, counter question to a match that you didn't have any expectations for, but this one was posed on Twitter, a match that you instantly regretted booking. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Space Monkey versus Carly Perez. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like though i mean i'm sure there's a million other ones like especially in those growing pain era like era there's like so much stuff that is just god awful that you know i would never even remember happened uh carly press space monkey i thought was going to be this like viral like just crazy thing and they were just not on the same page at all <laughs> wadsworth you have one um, that's a pretty tough one to beat. I yeah, I, I knew that was going to be his answer. I can't think of any off the top of my head that, that we had, like, super high expectations for that just bombed out, you know? Yeah. All right, well, this one will, I think you're going to have probably a better answer than, than Thorne. Uh, actually, regarding promos specifically, what is the Mount Rushmore of best promo guys of all time at AIW? I think you got to put Ethan Page on there, right? Yeah, he's up there. My instant answers are uh, Kingston and Prohibition. I think yeah. if you watch some of the, especially the ones that we've got on the YouTube channel, some of Prohibition's ones during his run with uh, M Dog and during his whole thing with Ray, his promos are just next level fantastic in terms of how he draws you into the story. Yeah, and uh, some I guess some honorable mentions would probably be um, Magnum CK uh, and Tim Donst. Yeah. And follow up on that, who cuts the best promos in AIW now? I mean, you have Kingston still, obviously. Um, <clears throat> Fonzie. Fonzie's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Fonzie's her amazing. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, you know, the the thing that kind of falls to the, has fallen to the wayside is the promo because we've been doing so many kind of quote-unquote live stream pay-per-views. We don't have a chance to do a lot of the promo stuff anymore. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to gauge, honestly, that question because nobody it, – it, it's really dependent on if they send us anything, you know, at this point, which sometimes could be like pulling teeth to get a promo from somebody. Yeah, now it's all the 
social media promos as opposed to uh, live or the sometimes we get the we still get the pre-tape promos that everybody does in the locker room. Sometimes it's very rare now. You know, it has to be like a non-stream show. Um, a couple more names that just pop into my head for for current roster guys are Mance. Oh yeah, and, uh, Duke. Especially yeah, Duke. with a lot in front of a live crowd, uh, Duke's one of the best there is. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think anybody could uh, can really fuck with the Duke uh, it, when there's a live crowd experience uh, because he knows how to improv and kind of stray from the plan, uh, and he will bicker back and forth with somebody like uh, just the infamous Russell Rager one where he was just like, "Do I smell marijuana?" or something like that. Like yeah. it, it was just. <laughs> Just so like so simple and funny, you know, and like such a good pop. Um, you know, he is one that is pretty untouchable in the kind of live back and forth, and that's why he's always in there with the legends and, um, you know, because he can he can play off people and he, you know, he can play off those kind of you know old pro types. Well, speaking of legends, we got a couple questions about. Future special guests, was there ever a chance that Muda would have been a special guest? Um, kind of. Um, I was working on it from last summer. I was trying to get him for Hell on Earth uh, because he was going to do WrestleCade. And actually, um, Sonjay Dutt was kind of middlemanning it for me and putting me in contact with certain people. And we kind of uh, went back and forth, but based on the fact that he uh, had like a early private signing on that Saturday morning, there was nothing that could have possibly gotten him back to North Carolina on time. So negotiations like never really got going because there was no way like he was already booked for that commitment and I was kind of trying to piggyback it for Friday night and um we you know we never talked money like I never really got put in contact with his people it was kind of like uh logistically let's see if we can make this happen and then let's get to the next step and we never got to the next step uh so you know that's where Kevin Nash came into play for that one is X-Pac a possibility for a future Akron show? Who asked that? Dave the Potato? <laughs> Charlie Butters. Dave the Potato asked me that like once a week. I mean, anybody that is alive and not under a contract is a possibility. I mean, it, it really just, it's all kind of uh, situational, honestly. But I mean... Like I said, I can't make any plans with anybody because we don't know what the world's going to be like anytime soon. Uh, I'm just going to get these out of the way because Alex Rose has asked them on every social media possible. Uh, because Eddie Kingston announced last year that I would be part of a death match, he wants to know if there were actual plans and if I were if I would ever take a bump or be in a storyline. Uh, I think I can answer for you, John. No, there's no, there's no. Plans. Well, uh, I guess to uh, give some more uh, elaboration on that, Eddie Kingston was just fucking around, and like he didn't. I don't think he understood that like people would be like, "What?" Like, because I'm pretty sure he did it on the 
uh, Chandler Biggins tag tournament show. If I'm, I could be mistaken. That, I but, think that's uh, where it started, and it carried through the. Uh, he, the like it became like a yeah. joke that was only funny to him, and like I don't think he understood that like people were listening besides like him, you, and me, <laughs> and uh, like I think like he was more trying to do it because like he was trying to like tell me like convince me to wrestle him at wrestle rager and i was like i'm never fucking wrestling again he's like, yeah you know steve guy's gonna wrestle uh you know we're gonna do this death match and uh like i think he kept kind of doubling down on that like busting my balls thing and somehow you got dragged into it and i don't think he understood that like people were listening like besides us <laughs> yeah he started with it during the intermission and then he did it uh, night two, like after his match, he said it in a, in a promo, and it was one of those things where he kept he would say stuff to me too. I was like, "Look, if that's really what you wanted, if you're really going to retire, I will do something with you." But you're not retiring, so then that motherfucker wasn't even <laughs> available on that date anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so take it up with the king, so, folks. So that yeah, so that goes to show you how much thought he put into his uh, challenges. He w- was already booked on that date anyway. <laughs> that's up there with uh, that's up there with Josh Prohibition declaring that Absolution Ten would be a War Games match, and not knowing what a War Games match was. Yeah, he's like, "What? You need two rings in a ca- in two cages?" Or like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh fuck." He says it in front of the live crowd, and everyone jumps all over. And all of a sudden, we're like, "Well, we got to try to find a venue that we can put two rings and two gauges in," which we never did. Which you know what would have been a good venue is the show where we had uh, Tanaka, but we're not going back there because that was it's closed the situation. Is it really? It's, clo- it's closed. Yeah, it's for rent. Oh wow! I mean, are yeah, we surprised so with some of the shadiness we experienced there? Yeah, actually, uh, Wadsworth yeah. said he's been going to the going to the city of Brooklyn trying to uh, rent a venue or facility around here. That guy. Here, here's an interesting one. Uh, as a promoter, any thoughts on promo shots, like pictures? A good what makes a good one versus a bad one? If you need to put it like on flyers and stuff. I mean, it has to be a high resolution photo. You know, like you have yeah. to, you can't you can't take it with the fucking uh, wind up camera from the fucking grocery store uh, checkout counter. You know, like you you could take them at home with a digital camera. It just has to be high resolution. And um, don't have a bunch of crap behind you. Yeah, you you need to take it in front of a solid background so it could be cut out properly in Photoshop or whatever the. Uh, you know the graphic designer software whatever they use and uh that's really it it needs to be high res and it, you know you can't have a fucking tiger print fucking cheat behind you you know you have to have a plain kind of you know black green whatever just a plain wall behind you or a black backdrop or something like that so you could be cut out easy uh any any particular poses you love that people do and send you poses <laughs> I don't I don't see the promo shots. I don't even give a shit, honestly. No. Like everything uh the wrestlers care more than the promoters. Like I don't care like because it's going to be, you know, people are going to know whoever it is versus whoever it is, you know, but some of the wrestlers would be like, "Oh man, well, like why don't you use that new promo shot that I just put on my Twitter?" She's like, "Dude, I I didn't see it." You know, I say, why "If you, you want a new to me, if you, if you want a new if you want a new photo on the graphics, email Jesse the Mark. That's what I tell everybody. He yeah. makes what he makes, you know. And like, 
if he doesn't want to cut out your new photo because it's too hard, like you, you're getting stuck with the old one. <laughs> we we don't send him the pictures. We send him this guy's wrestle of this guy, and then he sends us back the graphic. Yeah, like it's just like I'm never like, hey man, like use this photo where uh, Manders has the cowbell in this position. You know, like I'm just like. <laughs> whatever dude like that's what i tell the wrestlers to say you know you want a new promo shot email jesse the mark and you know if he has time he will he will cut out the new photo of you so are you going on record as saying though you at least want your manders promo photo to have the cowbell no i don't care which whatever (laughs) you know he could be tipping the cowboy head he could be shown his bald ass head whatever you know whatever photo is is Whatever, as long as it says Manders on it. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are asking about a Russell Rager update. I feel like I know the answer, but yeah, obviously there's no, you. I, I mean, there is no answer, honestly. I mean, uh, who? I mean, now that now that class has probably been closed, I assume uh, at this point for a while. I mean, who knows if that building is not gonna, you know go into foreclosure or whatever the fuck. Uh, I really have no idea. That's a question for now that's class. Um, and we don't know, even I, know if they're going to open back up. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying is like, you know, I've heard that the owner is trying to open a bar in Puerto Rico. Maybe he just went to Puerto Rico and he ain't going to come back now um, because, you know, his business can't be open. Like bills are still active in America, you know, like this isn't Italy where they've suspended everything, you know, uh, he still has rents to pay and, you know, still has bills to pay and taxes to pay. And, um, you know, if that's, if there's no money coming in, I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of hard for a lot of businesses to dig out, um, you know, these stimulus packages, like who, like, I know they say there's help for small businesses, but like, uh, an independent wrestling promotion isn't going to get that help because no. <laughs> you know, we're just not on that radar. You know, like we don't have employees. We use independent contractors and, you know, we can't show any sort of, you know, astronomical loss. Um, that's the one thing that I don't think fans understand is like wrestling is still kind of that one form of entertainment that really kind of flies underneath the radar of legitimacy and, uh, illegitimacy. Um, thoughts on different location, perhaps going forward. Nothing right now with all the uncertainties. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't even begin to reschedule Gauntlet, and you know, everything else. We have to. We have no idea. Like, how can I? How can I reschedule Gauntlet, and then you know. Uh, Jaylet is supposed to be in two weeks or Jaylet now has to, you know, we could be looking at a situation where the world is like this through the summer, you know, and then it's like, well, then what do we do? You know, do we just do the half of the year with the first half that we missed or, you know, like it's all, it's all kind of very complicated right now. And I think that's probably the blanket statement right now, because as I look and we've got questions about, uh, collective and Columbus and WrestleRager. It's it, look. Some of these things are potentially in play, but we can't really answer that because we have no idea where things are going to be and when they are going to be up and running again. 
Right. And I mean, like uh, Columbus, for example, that was just straight up canceled. And they said, hey, we'll revisit it when the world comes down. But I mean, they're also a small business. You know, they had a lot of money kind of on the line to do this event. uh, And they're probably not making the amount of money that they make on a regular basis anymore, if at all. So, you know, they're going to be a struggling business as well. Um, they said we would revisit it, but I mean, who knows, you know, like it, we have no idea the just overall economic impact that the Corona epidemic is, is having on all these kind of different businesses and different partnerships, you know, who knows what's going on with the Odeon, who knows what's going on with any of these places, honestly, because, you know, they have no money coming in, but they still have to pay their you know their rental fees and mortgages and you know all this other stuff i mean who honestly who knows the collective from what i understand you know the cuban club is not going to refund the deposits uh so there's a lot of lost money there right now um and uh you know like that could change in the next few days who knows like there's just a lot of uncertainty everywhere uh one idea that was pitched in the discard or discord ahead, what you're saying. i was oh, i was just gonna say that oh, go in the end people have to realize we don't know anything more than you do about what the situation's going to look like or or when it's going to resolve like we're yeah. all getting the same news you know yes john works you know where he works and i work at a hospital trust me we don't have more information than you do yeah, so like, it's crazy. We're like Dave the potato. Dave the potato will be like, "Hey, man, like, what's going on?" Like, I don't know, dude. Like, turn on the TV. I'm seeing yeah. the same thing as you. Two o'clock every day. Mike Dewine will tell you. That's what we know. And like, fans will ask me, and it's just like, I, dude, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't have this inside source to the governor of Ohio or the president of the United States, or you know, like, we all get the information at the exact same time. I mean. And then I have to dissect it and figure out how to keep, you know, this business going, which is it's it's getting pretty hard, honestly. You know, like I know that I showed you guys like the the PayPal is just like all minuses, <laughs> like it's all like pages and pages of refunds and like minuses. So it's uh it, it, it's going to get pretty tricky here if this goes on for several more months. I'm glad that you brought up Dave the Potato because I'm going to just throw some some fun <laughs> questions at us now. A question posed on Twitter: Best job and worst job refereeing matches for Dave the Potato? Oh, dude! I, I mean, I don't know. You know, like he's just like everybody else. He has his good, he has his good ones and his bad ones. You know, obviously, the one bad one that stands out is when he didn't give Chuck Taylor a good jump for that body slam. <laughs> Sandbag and Chucky T. Yeah, I mean, a rock bottom or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, like, there's, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, sometimes he's a sleepy potato, and sometimes he's, uh, you know, he, he does a good job. I think uh, the potato's problem is, is he's got to get out of his own head and, you know, turn his ego down a little bit and just, like, d- get the job done. Well, and I think the other thing with that is when a ref's doing a good job, you don't notice him. Like that's the key to a good good job by a referee is you don't he's it's a yeah. role that you only notice them when they screw up. That's, yeah, and sometimes that's a, he does and sometimes he doesn't. But you know, 
sometimes Jake Clemens yells into the earpiece, like, count him out, and he doesn't know that it's not me talking into the earpiece, and he rings the bell. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a thing that happens. Um, I like this one. If there were an independent wrestling Survivor Series-style show where different promotions each made up five-person teams, who is representing AIW? I mean, that's that's interesting. I mean, because there's several different ways that we can go with that. Is it the best of the best of in AIW? Is it just the AIW quote-unquote homegrown guys? I mean, uh, Wadsworth, I'll defer this one to you, though. Well, it's funny. I did see this one, and I remember a big conflict in the early days was there was talk of us sending a team on a smaller scale to the to King of Trios. And I remember the discussion with one of the former owners about ideas um, where we realized he didn't really understand what Chikara was and, and what we would want to present if we sent a team there. Yeah, because every idea was him. <laughs> well, it was him. It was guys like uh, Thrillbilly. And we're like, no, we're not sending Thrillbilly to Chikara. <laughs> um, yeah. I think if we're looking at the current roster, I mean... You're going to start with Justice, Josh. Um, Bishop or Prohibition? Good call. You actually could do either. Current roster, just because Prohibition's been on the shelf for a little while, I think you got to go Bishop. Uh-huh. We're just looking at, you know, before this whole thing broke down. And that's, that's already that classic Survivor Series deal where, like, will they be able to get along for the will good they of the cooperate? team? Yeah. <laughs> will they, they cooperate for the good of AIW or will they explode? Um, and then you've got Fonzie and Wes on the outside. <laughs> Who knows what happens there? Right. right. Um, I think you'd probably go with Filthy. I think you got to go with Tom. Okay. Um, I think the one that, that would be fun to throw in just because of his recent rise, he doesn't necessarily have the, the huge name value right now in the Indies would be a, a Lee Moriarty because he had such a huge year with us in AIW and especially his series with Alex Shelley. Um, so that puts us at what, four? Yep. I think I go with Dom for that fifth spot. That's a good choice. You go Dom as the uh, the head trainer, so he's kind of it, it carries a double meaning there for AIW. Yeah, I think um, for me, I think you got to go Justice. You got to go PME. Oh, that's a good call. And then you know th- those there, there's so much you can do with those final two spots. Uh, um, I think. Chase Oliver is a good one for athleticism. Uh, if you're trying to uh, really shine in this uh, kind of uh, superstar, like super world of all indies coming together, mm-hmm. and um, that uh, that last one is tough. But I think you go with Josh Bishop there as well. There you go. There you have it, folks. I think the, both those teams are solid. And I mean, it's, you you also have the the you know like he had filthy on his, but you also have the Mance Warners and the Nick Gages yep. and 
um, you know, just so many other guys that to infinity and beyond. Like, I was gonna say, you, we could you could make if it was a tag team Survivor Series, we could have PME to infinity and beyond, and maybe one other team in there. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's tons of you know, Bear Country. The VSK is very good. Um, there's so many kind of different possibilities. Um, you know, it's it's hard to just really lock in. Like, if this is a real thing, it would be really hard to lock in that five. I think that you could make a solid representation just from the guys from the AIW, let's say AIW Academy. And yeah, even absolutely. if you, you know, so even if we put, you got to put Justice because he's your champion. And then if you just go AIW school, you've got Dom, Bishop, and then you could just go PME, I guess, right there. But then you also have... Twan and Trey could be in there. Trey. Trey Lamar is a good one. PB Smooth. Yeah. Um, the Bitcoin Boys. Uh, there, you know, there's so many. That's a good question. Excellent question. At Barry Jerry. Bishop Justice and Bitcoin Boys. Now you got Duke Wes and Fonzie on the outside for that team. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> Let's see what's going on. <laughs> getting more bang for our buck with the, with those choices for sure. Getting a lot more representation. Uh, all right, let's see here. One, um, well, one question. It kind of goes with the blanket statement, but people talking about if we start back up again, maybe the idea of something more consistent at the Winchester. The idea is we'd run a weekly show and uh, keep it on the cheap for both in terms of our booking and then also fans. And they think maybe if we put that on YouTube or something, would that work in terms of getting us out there again, once things start back up? I mean, I really just don't ever see the scenario where there's going to be the support for a weekly show. Um, it's just, I think it's a big ask from a promoter standpoint. Um, you know, and it, it's easy for a fan to say on the cheap, but, you know, just to get it filmed is probably more than anybody would ever imagine. Um, you know, and, and, and probably goes well above anybody's kind of, um, just, uh, I guess, uh, preconceived notions of, uh, of running an independent wrestling company. Um, I just, you, you know, I don't see a weekly thing being viable. Uh, I, Double don't see it being viable on YouTube because the YouTube money is just dead, deader than dead. Um, you know, I, I had this conversation with Ethan Page last week. Um, the AIW YouTube channel in the month of February did like 1.5 million views and it equaled like $160. Wow. <laughs> like total. Like, uh, and then you get taxed on that at the end of the year, you know? So, um, yeah, the YouTube money is not what it used to be, uh, with all the new kind of restrictions and, uh, becoming at more advertiser friendly stuff. And, um, it's just, it's, it's not viable. Um, we have to see what the economic impact is really after this is all said and done before we make any sort of plan because you know is it we're gonna do one big show a month uh and get a kind of premium price and be able to bring in the premium talent or 
are we going to have to do, you know, smaller shows at a reduced price and you're not going to get the premium talent? Like, I, I don't see a world right now for at least a while where you're we're going to be able to support both. We're going to be able to support the the main shows and the extra kind of bar show things. Um, so I would not anticipate that, you know, like some Americans are getting $1,200. Like that's going to be gone in like a week for most people. So, yeah, that's most people's rent. So, you know, like I, I just don't see a world where we could even attempt that for a while, you know, until things – you know, like I said, you know, we don't know what the impact is on all these businesses. Can they even ever reopen again? Are there going to be a lot of people out of work? Like, that's the like kind of the unfun part about maybe being more of an adult at this point than uh, I I was maybe in previous AIW like slash recession years. Is like, you know, like now if you look back on those years, the crowds were down. Um, because like nobody had any money, you know, nobody had money to spend. And that is probably why AIW was such a struggle. And, uh, there was so much debt accumulated and all these other kind of things. It's, you know, because there were no fans that had disposable income. So, you know, just cause some want it and some have it doesn't mean that it's going to be enough for us to sustain. Like, you know, like we don't even break even, at the Odeon until we're like 250 tickets sold, you know, like the, the budgets are way more than anyone would ever imagine. Um, and that's just like a rough number, you know, that doesn't take into like consideration, like when you have like an ICP there or, you know, when Kevin Nash was there or, you know, Scott Hall or any of these kind of big names that, you know, some could argue like, well, you don't need to spend that money. Well, look at the crowds when the big meet and greet people are there compared to when the not so big meet and greet people are there or no meet and greet people are there. It definitely makes a difference uh, because, you know, we do have our core fan base and we're very appreciative of that. But the goal is to keep building onto that and you have to kind of bring in these big stars and legends to kind of a get that legitimacy to the general public and B draw in a percentage of that general public because you know that's the only way you can build on and kind of grow the brand so to speak that's a very long-winded answer that's <laughs> okay all right let me uh there's a couple of easy answer questions and then we'll just wrap this up with some really dumb fun ones um Plans for having VSK back. It seemed like he was over as a heel with a, a few of his victories. Uh, I believe that answer is yes, but like everything, we don't know when, right? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely scheduled for more shows. I mean, uh, the only thing that he was kind of on a, the probably not was for the Mania Weekend show just because it was just so stacked and we were looking for, you know, that one big outside and that's no disrespect to him like we were just looking for that big outside kind of attraction talent that we could that we could bring in like if we were able to lock down joey janela that would have brought eyes to, you know to our show compared to you know we were up against like six different shows at that time slot this year which is you know this is probably a blessing in disguise right now because no matter when it happens 
there's probably not going to be that much competition, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, VSK was definitely, he was on all the dates, like all the Cleveland dates pretty much going forward. Um, who was fake filthy Tom at hell on earth 15. That was, uh, I can answer that. That was Johnny patch. Yeah. I believe it was Johnny patch. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Pittsburgh. Uh, he did a dark match there for us. And then, all right, let's get into some fun, dumb ones. Um, why is Eddie Kingston ducking Maserati West? Do you know? Wadsworth, do you know that one? <laughs> I don't know. I just watched the uh, the match we had on YouTube, and I don't know that uh, West should be too anxious to relive that one from WrestleRager a couple <laughs> years ago. Uh, yeah, when I, are the powers I mean, of pain coming in? To... <laughs> well, I was going to answer, like, you know... At, Eddie Kingston, I mean, who who even knows when he's going to come back to AIW? I mean, he was, like, living in Europe, and now, you know, I don't know where he is. He's probably, you know, quarantined in Chicago O'Hare or something right now. When are the powers of pain coming in to challenge PME for the belts? You know, it's funny. There's been a few, um, there's been a few instances when I almost beat, um, or I not beat, but I almost booked, um, at least barbarian and recent kind of he's been on the list for a lot of uh different kind of ideas that i've had um and i mean i love the warlord but i don't like powers of pain warlord i like the uh, silver mask warlord what's so the, the warlord w staff I yeah i want the w staff and the, the half mask um i like them both as solo you know and uh, i like the uh, deer antlers barbarian the best uh where is steve Payne? oh boy so uh <laughs> he's currently in my uh awaiting to respond friend requests uh on facebook <laughs> he i think lives in mexico um and he does a lion gimmick but he is just steve Payne. his name is the lion king steve Payne, and That's right, uh, boy. He dresses as a lion, but he's just still regular old Steve, Steve Payne. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's, like, running from the law or something. Like, I know him and Gringo Loco had a big falling out. Um, and, uh, you know, Gringo Loco has kind of brought me up to speed on that a little bit. But, uh, you know, Steve Payne was just one of those guys, you know. It's just, like, all the talent in the world, but just so like just just buries himself to promoters you know like just um i've never had somebody ask me for more payday loans western unions uh i lost my wallet at the movie theater um you know like just every like i don't know like it's just it's kind of like it, it at a certain point it became like uh, this guy's extremely talented, but he is just not worth the headache of being around. And um, everybody in the locker room just hated wrestling him because, you know, it was the Steve Payne show and it was the nobody else show. Um, so I think uh, wherever Steve Payne is, he's going to stay there. And who can ever forget that midnight flight debacle? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, what's funny is Steve Payne was on the cut list far, far before that happened. However... Uh, <laughs> 
he had to work off that he had to work off that money. So I I, I believe I lined it up perfectly to where he uh, worked it off at I think that Absolution that year, and uh, then he was just never booked again. Like if, if you just go back in history, I, and I'm pretty sure it's Absolution. Uh, whatever the last Steve Payne appearance was was the day that 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 he worked off the that additional flight. When is Shayna going to return the women's title? I mean, probably whenever I ask her for it, but I haven't, I've, you know, <laughs> never asked her for it. Uh, I mean, um, she's offered to send it back before, but I mean, there's just, there's just no kind of like, uh, you just can't have like any sort of depth in a women's division right now. Like when the gr- girls night outs were going on, it's just, you know, even like, uh, you know, look like a Chris Statlander who was relatively new in the last year, two years. She's, you know, she's already signed it on television. You know, like girls are, just get signed so rapidly, and it's just like, you know, why am I going to stress myself out about this on top of everything else? Um, you know, it's just like one day maybe everything will settle down and there'll be a there'll be a lot of kind of. And that's no disrespect to any of the girls that aren't signed right now. There's a ton of talented ones, but it's like they have to kind of build up a a name value. And, you know, there's not a lot of those kind of old stalwarts that were in, you know, on the scene, you know, like the Sarah Del Rays and all these veteran girls. Um, there's just not a lot of them to anchor a division right now that people would care about. And, I would, I, I don't want to half ass a girls' division. You know, if we're going to do it, I want to do it good and deep like we did it before. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want it to just be like, okay, well, Alley Cat lives here, so Alley Cat's the women's champion. And then we'll just bring in uh, girl A once, you know, once a month. And then, you know, next month it's, you know, girl B and C and D. And then she just beats people. You know, that's just, that's not intriguing to me. Um, should there be a women's division revival at any point with the fact that we are making new titles and what that meant to Shayna to win it? Do you just let her keep the physical one if she wants to? I mean, it's possible, you know, I, uh, <laughs> like just cause I ordered new titles, they, they have not shown up though, you know? So this is like, true. we'll see, you know, like it's like everything else right now. We'll see, you know, like I, I bought some new belts, uh, which was stupid because, you know, I bought it thinking that we were going to continue to be rolling. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I made all these just dumb upgrade purchases right before uh, we've lost any form of income. Um, so, yeah, the, the small, like I said, the small ring, the the bar ring is uh, is fixed, but I don't know that we have any use for it now. All right. Final question here um, pertains to previous gauntlet for the golds any surprise guess that fell through at the last minute where you thought you had it and just wasn't going to work out uh previously um i don't know you know i'm sure it, i'm sure it definitely happened um wadsworth are there any that stick out to you i i want to say did we reach out to bj once within the last couple of years that sounds right I, I think BJ was was in negotiate. BJ Whitmer was in negotiation at some point. Um, I think it was that transition after he had left Ring of Honor before AEW launched. 
I think it was know, last year. He was it would have been last year. I think yeah. we reached out to BJ Whitmer um, to have him be a, a surprise gauntlet entrant. Um, that's the only one that really stands out to me right now. And I mean, that's here's here's the thing, people like. Um, we don't have like a filing cabinet with like, hey, this almost happened. You know, like there's probably a zillion things that have almost happened in AIW, but you forget about it because you only really remember the things that do happen. Um, and, you know, Chandler was an encyclopedia when it came to that stuff like that. Uh, I am not so much, you know, like if I'm, I'm more of the, okay, this isn't happening. I'm moving on to this thing that is going to happen. And it kind of, just gets lost you know like i kind of rely on other people to remember the the what ifs and the what could have been's um because it's just like i got too like i have just too much in my brain like it just like evaporates as soon as it doesn't happen like uh, and that's you know there are some things that i probably remember that like the almost and the what ifs but uh, for the most part it's like if an idea doesn't go our way I try to kind of pivot instead of like, oh, uh, be like, oh man, that sucks. All right, we'll wrap up with this non AIW question that was thrown to us because everybody's curious. Guys, what were your thoughts on the Chris Benoit uh, show on Vice? Wadsworth, did you see it? I Dark actually didn't watch it. No, I didn't. Um, Starring Tyson Dukes. Sorry, Tyson. That's the extent of what I saw was the the preview clip of it because Dukes had shared on uh, on Facebook that he had been the the recreation Benoit. Um, I didn't. It's not something I really want to want to revisit. You know, I was a, a huge Benoit fan during his career. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. So, so that whole thing is just I don't even want to go there type of thing. I don't want to revisit it. It sucks that it happened. Um, you know, I, I hate that that's the legacy that we have in the end. It yeah, was so I saw, I saw it. Um, and you know, it's like, it's not a lot of groundbreaking stuff. Uh, it's very well done though. And, uh, the stuff that I did find interesting was the kind of the police perspective and the, um, you know, the crime photos and stuff like that, uh, was, a was a very interesting kind of little tidbit, um, you know, on, on top of everything else. Um, you know, it, not a lot of groundbreaking stuff. I did see some interesting things on Twitter. Uh, you know, like I, pod Van Dam was tweeting at Joe Spostos, uh, maybe at Joe mentioned this on one of his podcasts. I'm not sure, but, uh, an interesting little wrinkle is, you know, Chavo is one of the talking heads. And um, what happens if Chavo doesn't kind of cover for Benoit with the office and the wellness check happens two days prior when he first doesn't show up? Um, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting wrinkle that somebody kind of had, you know, after watching it. Um, but other than that, like not a lot of just groundbreaking um stuff you know it's all stuff that we all know um but the dark sides of, of the ring are, are still very very interesting yeah the whole thing is just uh 
it, it, it's heartbreaking from different perspectives that you didn't necessarily get to hear all the time before from the Jericho perspective, obviously Vicky's from, from his son, from David's perspective, like, you know, people giving him shit online still to this day. It's like, come on, this kid obviously wasn't a part of it. And, uh, like you said, Chavo, I thought that was interesting too, because it just seems like he's been beating himself up about that ever since too. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's the 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 thing that I found um, like awful about it is like you don't really think about uh, Benoit's other son, his like now adult son, and like and he's, how, he's a daughter too that wasn't in the documentary, and. Uh, Dude, like Benoit's son looks identical to him. There is no, oh yeah, denying it. And uh, you know, like uh, to see, like to see that kind of impact that uh, you know it's had on his son and Nancy Benoit's sister. Um, you know, it, it that that was pretty tough to watch because um, you know you don't really think about that. You think of like the sensational, you know, how the media sensationalized the whole thing and the impact it had on the wrestling business, but uh, you, you don't really think about the people that are, were so close to the situation that have to live with it. Like his, you know, his son has to go through life, you know, knowing what happened. Um, that was the only stuff that, uh, you know, that and the police perspective, um, I thought was really kind of new and interesting about it. Well, all right. Well, that's going to uh, do it here for us on another episode of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Guys, got any final thoughts here? Wadsworth, I'll let you go first. You know, as easy as much as it makes it easier to do this format, I hope it's not too long until we get to record these in person and uh, get back to doing the real reason we record these and, and running shows. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, if this goes on much longer, we have plenty of shows that, uh, you know, we still have to review. Um, we did our, we did record a Bad Boy for Life one that's kind of sitting in the can that was made, all you know, recorded pre-corona, COVID-19 outbreak. So, you know, maybe we'll uh we'll throw that out there one one like once things like if it's either gonna go this way or that way like um you know we'll start kind of filling the weeks but um it just seems like uh, it's still so new and still so ever-changing that you know i didn't want to throw up you know this canned uh pre-recorded podcast just yet well, there you have it, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. For AIW owner John Thorne, for President Matt Wadsworth, my name's Steve Guy. We'll talk to you next week right here on The Card is Going to Change.